0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to This Time Will Be Different. Today, I have a very special guest with me. Welcome, Chris. Chris, how's it going? Doing great. Well, for anyone who may not be familiar with you, how would you introduce yourself? I would say marketer turned
1: kind of angel investor slash crypto dJ I guess <laughs> um so in 2004 I started a marketing agency that is still up and running today with just under 200 employees called ninety seventh floor and I in the early 2000s I was going to college I was I was 24 in 2004 and I was going to school and I'm trying to figure out I, I really liked marketing and, and all that stuff and I would talk to professors and things and ask them about the internet and they were like, Yo, we don't have any Kill him about internet because it was so new. And so I just started to dive in on my own. My brother, he also was really into coding and things like that. He's kind of got that math brain. I don't have that side. He's and um so he was diving into it and we kind of just both got obsessed and I saw that it was for sure gonna be the future for like commerce and things like that. And so I started just doing it on the side while I maintained a job. And as that grew into more referrals and things like that, it it broke off and created a company that now you know, has just under two hundred employees. So that's kinda where I got my start. In about two thousand seventeen I started to plan my transition away from CEO there and started to look for what I would do next. And I really didn't want since we bootstrapped, I didn't raise do anything. It was really taxing. And I didn't want to like start another company at that time. So I started to think, man, but I really want to help companies with marketing, I still love that. Things like that. So I started to get into angel, kind of dipping my toes with one of my partners at 90 Cent Floor, who's also was our COO. He's now on the board with me. His name's Wayne. And so we started to dip our toe into angel and kind of being real strategic, small checks, but helping. You know, helping on the marketing side, help do audits for them or connect them with really good teams and things like that. And that led to really going heavy into it and starting an angel syndicate called Space Station Investments that now is one of the most active in the US. I think like in the top five or six most active in the US. We've done 91 deals in two years um, uh-huh. and have over 500 club members. Yeah. So it kind of kind of went nuts. I don't know how... I, everything always kind of happens organically. I didn't plan for it to go like that being that intense, but that's just kind of where it went. And majority of that started out in like D2C and a lot of Better For You Health because I'm really obsessed with that personally. And so I was already kind of delving into that. And then to C because that's something you know we could come in place a check and then really help the company and with our marketing background so some really fun ones like magic spoon cereal and or ring hyper ice Olipop soda we were all really early in those and those are all going to be really good returns for sure they're doing incredibly well and that's kind of where it started and then it transitioned into a lot of tech and um, and crypto as well so you know in uh, I bought Bitcoin really early like 2014 I was I thought it was really cool. I was on Reddit a lot because of my marketing background and that's where I got exposed to it. Obviously didn't buy nearly enough. and. Uh... Thought I was a genius selling the, the 20, what, that first big cycle blow off top 20 grand, you know, selling at like 19K, almost emptying my whole bag. Thought I was a genius. And I guess, you know, short term I was, but definitely um, should have been buying back heavily when it got back into the threes and things like that. But, but it, I dipped my toes in it and it really got me exposed. So when it started coming back again in 2020, 2021, I got real active in investing in crypto and also NFTs and things like that. And that's kind of... Kind of me in a nutshell. So what I do specifically most day-to-day is like angel investing and advising. And then one of our portcos, which is called Nodal Power, I spend a lot of my time on that. One, because I'm just so obsessed with it and I'm so excited about it. But two, I really help on the fundraising side. It's very capital intensive. And so kind of my day-to-day is split between helping portcos and really trying to support Nodal Power.
0: Awesome. We've got a lot. There's a lot in there. For, there's a lot. <laughs> there's a lot to talk about. Yeah. Um, so, one, Magic Spoon is awesome. Love Magic Spoon. Yes. You're a fan. I'm, yes. I'm a
1: big fan of Magic Spoon. We talked now. about that, our favorite flavors. We were kind of on the same line, right? The yeah. chocolate, peanut butter, and stuff like that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. You got to mix the chocolate and the peanut butter so you get that yep. smorgasbord yep. flavor going on. For sure. Um, we'll definitely have to talk about a potential Magic Spoon podcast sponsorship. I think that's oh, 100%. In the works for sure. <laughs> and that's amazing that you guys space state your syndicates called space station yeah space station investments are like top or leading the industry in deal flow and i wonder if that has anything to do with or let me take a step back actually agencies are really hard like agencies are a lot of work and it's like a lot of time and you can't you can never really relax it's not like you're building a product and then you know just kind of like pushing it out and see like you're just constantly trying to bring in new clients, constantly yep. making sure that you got revenue. And I wonder if your experience in that is sort of lending to the, the sheer volume that you're doing in deal flow. Maybe like the, yeah, the maybe. industry you're in now just isn't used to the, uh, the 97th floor tempo. So that is a good point. I will say that too. So
1: Space Station Investments is a partnership between myself and then founders of Space Station Integrations. Those guys do influencer marketing. Ninety-seventh floor, my marketing agency, we're everything but influencer basically on the digital side. So paid ads, content, you know, really technical SEO, things like that. So we would refer clients to each other. And when I started investing, I'd be like, dude, you guys gotta get some of your influencers in on this deal. Like they could help blow that they're really good for this product. And they're like, well, we want to throw some money in if we're going to introduce them to like this ex so-and-so influencer who has 5 million followers. Like we want to put money in before we make that connection. And that's how it kind of started. And you're totally right. The hustle we had in the beginning to get deal flow, we realized early on, it's all about having really finding those unicorns. And to do that, you have to go through insane amount of deal flow, right? Like to find that one, you got to go through like a hundred decks and do like a hundred calls and so both of us having an agency bootstrap background, I I do think, I hadn't really put those two together until you said it, but I do think it helped a lot because we were just grinding to get deal flow so that we could really find find those. Our mantra is kind of like, if it's not a hell yes, it's a no. And so to find those hell yeses, you, I'm, like I said, you got to sift through hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of decks. And really, really grind. And there's a lot of connection making like on LinkedIn and other stuff that um, our marketing background went to as well. So I think you're probably pretty spot on on that.
0: That's awesome. Man, I haven't been on LinkedIn in a while. <laughs> I know.
1: The crypto world doesn't really do LinkedIn much. You know, it's funny. So I'll give a quick, quick little thing that we realized early on that just helped so much with deal flow. If you update your LinkedIn profile as an investor in a company you invest in, you show up on their employee page in LinkedIn. And so when Magic Spoon cereal, which was one of our first port codes we were in started blowing up, you go to their employee page and I'm sure tons of people were trying to connect with CEO and other stuff. And they were a small company when they were really blowing up and they became kind of like the industry leader for like branding, marketing, like their branding is amazing. You know, their d- design, like everything's very, very perfect. So people wanted the other startups, wanted to copy them. they go to their page, go to people, and then see me and some of my partners listed under investor. And we didn't even know that was the case. Like I just wanted it on my portfolio because on my page, because I um, was so proud of them. And anyways, we got so much deal flow from that. So then when we invested in like Olipop, we did the same. And when we invested in, you know, ordering, we did the same. And these companies would be blowing up. And then everyone would want to reach out to us because they're like, Whoa, these guys are in a lot of really cool things. We should probably talk to them. And we got so much deal flow from that. And that's like such a simple little thing. It's crazy.
0: Yeah, that is huge alpha for, for anyone. Yeah, no, for sure. Who is looking for deal flow. This, this is alpha. <laughs> that's a great. Until it changes, right? And, and
1: maybe maybe eventually they'll just have an investor tab, which will still be very, you know, I don't think they're going to take it away,
0: but it's sweet. Super sweet. Yeah, that's awesome. It's a, it's a great yeah. tip. You said you're working a lot on Nodal Power. Is that the, yeah. the mining company?
1: Yes, that's the mining company.
0: Can you tell me a little bit about them?
1: Yeah, this dude, it's so exciting. And it's so exciting right now with ETF kinda of looming and other things. So Nodal Power is what's called a landfill gas to energy company. So for those that aren't familiar, the quick, you know, ten thousand foot view, landfills give off all the trash when it decomposes, give off a ton of methane. And in the US, you are forced once you get to a certain size, you're forced to flare that methane to turn it into CO two because CO two While it's still not the greatest, is definitely better for the environment than methane. And so these landfills literally build like these piping systems and things like that to extract the methane gas from under the ground and then essentially flare them into the atmosphere. Now, in really big cities like New York and places in California, when you have mega mega landfills, so we're talking like eight megawatts worth of methane or power per month that they're putting off or above. Companies like waste management will create power plants that convert that methane, they don't flare it, they convert it and then turn it into energy and then sell to the grid. And so, you know, huge states like California, and New York that need grid support, you can actually support the grid by burning or by converting methane gas. Well, what we found when looking into this, this was in, started in 2020, a nodal actually came to us as a um, startup to for Space Station Investments to invest in. And since we're a club, we're a syndicate of angels, we're not a fund, we don't ever lead rounds because we don't know how much we're going to have, right? We we pick the company first, and then we go out and find out how much capital we can put in based off of the interest of our club. We're a fund, you already have, you have the capital first, and then you go look to deploy. So we don't lead rounds. And so we told them, like, dude, we love this idea. Um, oh, let me get to the idea because I haven't even said it. So what Nodal said was... Outside of like New York and California, there's hundreds, if not thousands of landfills that are called stranded landfills that are just flaring this methane in as CO2 and essentially kind of wasting this power. And most of these are going to range from like one and a half to three megawatts of power per month that they could generate, which is a lot. Like, you know, one and a half megawatts is a lot. You can power a lot of homes from one and a half megawatts, but they're stranded in that they're really far away from like city centers and they're not grid tied. So there's not infrastructure to sell to the grid. So until Bitcoin came along, there really wasn't a good use for that. Now there is a whole other industry called RNG where you can like bottle up the methane and like you've seen like natural gas cars and stuff, and they'll like take tanks and sell to those. But that's a lot of you know shipping and doing all kinds of other stuff. What's so cool about Bitcoin is you can plug right into that methane and literally mine Bitcoin on site from trash gas. And so via data centers and so nodal power came to us and said, Hey, we have this little test site. It's only doing like half a Bitcoin a month or something like that, but we proved out concept. It totally works. The numbers are really good. It's very steady. It's not intermediate like solar or, or wind where you can have like a huge surplus and then like nothing. It's just kind of very even keel. And I'm like, dude, this is awesome. And this is in 2020 when. Everybody was like, Bitcoin's terrible for the environment. It's going to ruin us all. We're all going to, you know, it's global warming. So global warming's the worst nightmare. And so I was like, dude, this is sweet. This is green Bitcoin. So we told them, hey, go raise, go get a lead, come back and we'll help fill the round as our club. We have a lot of people we think will be interested in this. Long story short, it turned out where they needed to raise a lot of capital. It's very capital intensive. Like to stand up one landfill and start mining, you're talking about anywhere from like $5 million a month. I mean, not a month, $5 million in capex to get that landfill stood up and so they had two landfills identified and they wanted to raise 13 million to get that done and they're having a hard time finding a lead bitcoin was really early for institutions most vcs had already had like a lot of bags in in early you know crypto and things like that anyway so we decided to kind of do a merge where we took over a majority position if we could raise the all the funds so we did we raised 13 million in 2021 and in 2022 we built out two sites one in Layton Utah that is a completely decentralized 100% like off-grid has no necessary it doesn't need any power from outside what's generated so we completely generate our own power all the way to what powers our Starlink internet like we are fully self-sufficient like you could EMP Salt Lake City and we're still up running and mining off of Josh awesome. caps. It's it's pretty sweet, and that's the first data center ever to do that in the world, um, regardless of whether it's Bitcoin or not. You know, just talking about ASICs that are fully like self-sufficient off of its own power source. That's never been done before. And then we have another one in Texas that is a hybrid where we sell to the grid several months out of the year, and then we mine when we don't. And so that's another really cool use case because we're supporting the grid via Bitcoin because we it wasn't worth really building out that place in Texas to only sell to the grid three months out of the year. It wouldn't be worth that you know, $5 million price tag to do so. And so it's just being wasted. But man, eight months out of the year, we can mine Bitcoin. And then four months out of the year, we can support Texas and sell to their grid. And they've been having those power outages and things like that. So it fetches a really good premium. It's just an awesome use case. And the more I've gotten into it and delved into it, the more I've realized that not only was Bitcoin created to like disrupt the financial industry, it was created to disrupt the energy industry for sure as well. Like It was um, made for energy arbitration and clean energy. It's, it's literally like made for clean energy solutions. It's insane.
0: Yeah. I love that you said that because when people were really targeting outside. Bitcoin... Yeah, yeah, as a as a you know anti, it's bad for the environment. Blah, 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 mm-hmm. Like I, that whole narrative really upset me because it's just yeah. it's wrong. It's wrong, and it just doesn't understand. Like so, it's wrong because one, like the only reason this is a point of conversation is because you can actually measure how much energy Bitcoin yeah. is consuming. Like we yeah. cannot measure like the waste no. or energy consumed by so many industries. And oh yeah, the um, I'm pretty sure I can't remember the exact stat, but I know that. The US consumes more energy consuming porn on the internet than in one year. Yeah. Than like the yeah. Bitcoin blockchain does. And 100%. Then,
1: no, and things like too, like um the photography industry. So this was funny. My brother's in he's a he's a very well-known landscape photographer. And I'm always trying to get him into crypto crypto and other stuff. And he's like, Man, but my whole like world, the photography world and all that stuff, just hates it. I think it's so bad for the environment. And the photography industry, shipping prints and like, dude, sorry, I'm watching a, my my sister-in-law's dog. I know no you're worries. a dog, you're a dog fan. So, dipping prints and like buying cameras and sh- all that stuff just just the photography industry alone like puts off more emissions than Bitcoin, too. You know, like yeah. it's crazy when you compare it to anything else. It's yeah, it's crazy.
0: And then the the incentives that. It creates like Bitcoin, in my mind, like you said, incentivizes clean, yep. sustainable, or at least cheap energy. It, it incentivizes yep. us to come up with more efficient ways to produce energy. And like, that's always been my thesis is that we're going to end up being better at producing energy because of 100%. Bitcoin. Because there's never been a time where you're financially incentivized to do this in a better way like this, you know, like, yeah. so yeah, I'm it's completely awesome. Well, and
1: like, like looking at solar and wind, right? That's a serious problem where there's too much wind. And the gr- it would overload the grid. It can't handle all that power that a wind farm generates. Same with solar in really hot you know, desert areas in the summer. So now what companies will do is they'll use Bitcoin as an offtake, where all of a sudden the grid's going to get overloaded and it literally can't handle that much power. You just turn on miners and now you're balancing that grid. Marathon's doing that in the UAE. They just did a huge project in the UAE. And it's not just to mine Bitcoin. It's also to actually support and balance the grid. So it's actually helping the power grid be better, run smoother, and calmer as an offtake. It's insane. That's it's so, so cool. cool. It's so, yeah. so like Cyberpunk too. You know, I know, <laughs> totally.
0: We've got the Bitcoin mind. That's awesome. Well, it oh. just
1: shows you how brilliant Satoshi was, right? Like He didn't just create it for decentralization and like to disrupt the banks coming out of the 2008 era, which always gets kind of the majority. He created it. I- I'm sure he probably had some sort of insight into... I mean you want to talk about energy consumption, let's talk about fiat, right? And I'm so I'm sure he it's just because he literally created it to be pro energy and not the opposite. It's insane. It's so cool.
0: I think something that I really enjoy about crypto and like blockchain in general is how incentive based it is. And so mm-hmm. I love looking at how all these incentives kinda of line up and hopefully mm-hmm. Like in this case, you know, they they line up and create some sort of net positive. As in my eyes, like the the sort of underlying goal of crypto is to change the nature of the game we all play from zero sum to positive sum. I love that. And I, I think this is like a step in that direction, you know, like it, at least I can't really, in my limited understanding based on this conversation, I don't think there's like a loser in the situation, you know, like no one's really what getting would it screwed be? over. Yeah, because <laughs> no, awesome.
1: even, um, yeah, because the miners like, they're not that loud from the outside of the container, right? Like inside the container, super loud. So even if you had houses nearby, not near as bad as like, yeah, it's it's hard. You'd be hard pressed to find someone that loses in this scenario. Like the landfills love us. They're like, dude you want to pay us for our power? We've just been burning that into the air. And it's like, we've made no money off of that. You want to pay us for it and like actually use it? Oh, and you can balance our grid out. Oh, and you can add infrastructure. So later on, when this city near us, that's really small right now grows and needs grid support, you'll already have that already built out, you know, 80% of the way. And then you can actually tie into the grid once the city needs it. Like, It's incredible. We're looking into, um, yo, you'll geek out on this. This is really cool. We're looking into biodigesters right now. So in huge cities, you know, they have these things, biodigesters that take the food, the waste from those cities and put them in, heat them up, like literally digest them. It's like literally Star Wars, right? Where they're trapped in that like compressor and stuff (laughs) and break it up into basically, you know, waste and, and something easier to process. Well, it puts off a ton of methane, And one of the ones we're looking at is in a really cold city half the year. And here's what's so cool. We could put miners on site there, run that methane from the biodigester from the food into the miners, run the miners, then extract the heat from the miners pump the heat back into the biodigester during the cold months. And now it's doubling its production power, like doubling what it can produce and Damn. break down because we're heating it up in the winter. Their production goes down in the winter because it's so cold, like freezing temperatures versus the summer, which makes sense, right? Because you're biodigesting via heat. So we can literally full circle by pointing miners and extracting heat from the miners and actually increase the productivity of the biodigester. Like tell me another industry that can do that. You know what I mean? Like it's yeah. insane. When we talk to these companies, they're like, this is insane. We didn't even know this was an option. It's so cool. It is so cool.
0: You're making me super bullish on these guys. <laughs> so you said <laughs> there's, um, you mentioned Isn't Nodal it- and you also mentioned Marathon. What's like yeah. the relationship between these two? Yeah. So we actually
1: had a really cool announcement last month, start like the end of October of a partnership we've done with Marathon. So for those that don't know, Marathon Digital is now the largest Bitcoin miner publicly traded. Riot used to have that that title, but Marathon has passed them. I think Marathon's like double their hash right now. It's like insane how fast they're growing. They have been looking into renewables for a very long time. They saw that we kind of had the landfill market taken care of. So we did a partnership with them where they did a pilot program at our Utah location, where they brought a bunch of their own miners over, plugged it into our trash gas power, our methane power and then ran it for, I think about a month to really kind of evaluate if this is a viable industry for them. And on the last uh, quarterly call, Fred, the CEO said that the test they did with us with the, at the landfill, was the most energy-efficient and cost-effective Bitcoin they've ever mined. And so that was really cool. Really cool to literally get a shout-out on a quarterly call from a billion-dollar, multi-billion-dollar company that we were the best pilot program they've ever had. And so now we're looking into new ways we can partner with together, and hopefully we'll have some exciting stuff to announce soon. There. How does but very the... validating, very validating for us, and very validating for landfill power.
0: How does the efficiency of landfill power compare to like you know, traditional grid power? <laughs> like it was marathon yeah. seeing. Like I know nothing about energy. You know, no, full disclaimer. So it's like, yeah. is it is all power of equal quality, or like is power no. from the grid? Yeah. And I'm learning as I go,
1: right? Because I started out as just a board member investor, but as I've helped to really dive in on the fundraising, I've had to learn more. If you ever, you could literally get our CEO on and do an hour call on just Bitcoin and energy stuff and and it would be awesome. So he could answer more. His name's Brian Black. But um, anyways... Like I was saying before with like solar and wind, it's very intermittent, right? Like you have times where you have tons and then you have times where you have like none. And you can generate more per like square footage through solar and wind than you can with landfill. You know, and then grid tide, where you're actually drawing on the grid to mine, which a lot of the miners do, all the publicly trader miners do that. And then they look for renewables to kind of offset that or off take it and things like that. That's going to be, you know, more fixed and steady power, but the costs are going to accelerate right based off of the time of year and the tap the tap on the grid what's really cool about landfill from the the, like the bullish standpoint is it's very steady you know what you're going to get and landfills produce about the same like they don't really dissipate the amount of power they create for like 20 years like you'd have to shut them off and then 20 years after you stop dumping there like you it's a very slow decline so you can really plan it out and it's a really flat rate. Like, you know, like, so like roughly we mine around like four cents a kilowatt, which is really, really good. Most grid tied stuff is going to be like seven to nine cents a kilo- kilowatt. And that's very steady. And and you can rely on it. Now, the problem with landfills, it, this is cool in the Bitcoin world, but they're very decentralized. Like, you know, there's a lot of little landfills all over the place. So the upfront um, infrastructure costs are really high. Because each landfill is going to cost you know four or five million dollars, but once it's set up, it runs very smoothly and for a really long time. Like you could be mining there for twenty years and have very little uptake, you know, change besides occasionally replacing the generator and swapping out ASICs when they get better. You know, the only like you swap out ASICs basically when you want to because you'll get a better hash rate. So that's really cool about it. But the downside, like I said, is it's very spotty. Like Marathon in the UAE did a deal last year. I think it's like 300 megawatts and they stood that up in six months and now they're mining off of 300 megawatts in one section. Like there's never going to be a landfill that gives off 300 megawatts. It's insane. Like giant landfills are like 10. And so you need a lot of little ones to get the same amount of megawatts. And so that's kind of the, the downside, but it's really cool. Like what I like to say is we are, it's decentralized mining for a decentralized coin because each landfill is kind of decentralized in its own way. Like that one in Utah is fully decentralized. And so it's so cool that we're literally mining decentralized power for a decentralized
0: coin. That's super cool. Yeah. As, as long as people keep producing trash. Which I don't see land- that going away anytime soon. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> landfills will continue producing energy, basically. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, it's really it's cool. cool. Yeah.
1: It's so cool because it's so old school and like kind of grungy and blue, blue collar, but it's like such an awesome solution and like very like cutting edge, right? And like you said, yeah. even like cyberpunk.
0: And we have a trash problem as humans, don't we? Is it like we don't know what to do with all of our trash? So like this doesn't get rid of it, but like at least makes it useful. It's huge. Yeah. (laughs) And same with
1: the biodigesters. And like there's so many use cases that will help solve that problem. And we're not even talking international. International needs that solution way more than the U.S. does, right? Because we at least have regulations and stuff. I mean, you've seen those videos of places in India and things like that with the trash problems. I'm really big in the surfing and surfing community, have a lot of friends that are pro surfers and the videos that they show me when they're overseas, like on these beautiful beaches just covered in trash because they have no place to dump them because of human density, you know, problems and things like that, like this could be really big solutions for those as well.
0: Very cool. 10, 20 years into the future, assuming like Nodal and Marathon are super successful. And what they do, like what do you think Bitcoin like what do you want Bitcoin mining to look like? What do you want that like sort of energy landscape to look like?:
1: The crazy thing is is what I wanted it to look like when we started it two years ago is starting to happen now because of the ETF and FASB accounting going into effect. Those two things are bringing so much validity to like the traditional fund uh, the traditional finance world that now the traditional finance world is typically the ones pushing narratives. Around things, and I think in the past they were a lot of them were pushing the narrative that Bitcoin was bad because they weren't part of it yet, right and now that an ETF and FasB accounting are going going to happen, accounting accounting's already done it's going to start January 1st. and then ETF is we're hoping is going to be in January as well. it's speeding up what I was hoping the future of Nodal looked like a lot faster in that it's a viable energy offtake solution that like traditional Energy companies, power companies, will look to as part of their portfolio. Like I want to see a world. I can't get into NDA stuff, but let's just say this: when I started, when I started Nodal, when we when we all started Nodal two years ago, I was like, man, it would be insane if like five to ten years we were talking with Marathon and we were talking with the largest landfill providers in the world. There's three that are the largest in the U.S., and we're like, man, maybe in like five years they'll be. Stoked enough on Bitcoin, like maybe it will be like maybe the thought process around Bitcoin will be starting to turn and be friendly, where we'll talk to these huge waste, these huge um, landfill companies. That's already all, all happening right now. Like we're already talking to the largest landfill providers in the world. We've we got that pilot with Marathon. There's a ton of lobbying going on with the help of Marathon and others that are helping that narrative. And the ETF and FASB accounting are just going to fast track that. And so, what does that look like? It looks like literally power and utility companies leaning on Bitcoin to help support and help stabilize their grid. And you're going to have less power outages, and you're going to have more stable grids, you know, things like that, because of the adoption of Bitcoin mining from large power utility companies. And that's currently happening now, like starting.
0: And how do you think that affects Bitcoin? You know what I mean? Price? Price or... Price and like general accept like what do you do you think this is gonna change the overall narratives of like retail? Dude, um, I do. I sent you a link over the weekend. We were last week, we were
1: the main headline story on the front page of the Salt Lake Tribune, which is a huge public the biggest publication in the state of Utah. And yeah, Utah's not California, it's not New York, it's not, you know, a massive state, but To see, and they're traditionally been very anti-Bitcoin over the years, the Salt Lake Tribune. So to see that not only were we in the paper, but we're literally the front page. And that Bitcoin is a solution to the energy crisis. Like that's literally was their title. That's got to be helping retail. And that's got to be helping people that weren't thinking about that before. You know, They're learning from the papers, right? Like that's where a lot of people get their news. And now on the very front page, it's like, wait. Bitcoin can actually help the energy crisis. Like what's going on here? Maybe, you know, let's, I th- so I think it will totally help. Do I think like landfill mining and clean energy mining will affect the price? I probably do, but it's going to be more on like a sentiment standpoint and maybe helping the sentiment narrative. And then that affects the price because then more institutions and companies will put it on their balance sheet and things like that. I don't think like indirectly, I think it will help the price. I don't think directly it's necessarily going to really help the price. Besides the fact that when you look at the growth of companies like Marathon and some of these other really large miners, I mean, they're just going to be gobbling up so much Bitcoin and hodling it. So that will for sure affect the price, right? Like don't quote me, but it was like Q3 of last year, like Q3 of 2020, Marathon mined like three. Dude, I can't remember. It was like a 10x increase from this year over year, quarter over quarter like Damn. how much, and they're just doing thousands and thousands of Bitcoin, you know, that they're, they're mining per quarter. And that's only gonna increase as the energy sector accepts Bitcoin mining as a viable solution because it's gonna give more access to power for miners.
0: Is nodal Bitcoin maxi? Do you think that it'll ever mine anything else or are you sticking to Ethereum? I'm sorry, stick oh, to Bitcoin. <laughs> uh,
1: yeah, so I don't, we would never, I don't think we'd ever mine another coin. I mean, I, I, obviously, we would look at it before um, Ethereum changed. We were looking into maybe standing up some ETH data centers to try. But then when we saw that it was actually going to finally switch, you know, they've been talking about it for so long, but it's actually going to happen. We pumped the brakes. I think miners in general, not just nodal, are going to start probably mining for AI. If they're going to mine for anything outside of, uh, instead of Bitcoin, it's going to be AI data centers. Because I think AI is just going to eat the world in terms of how much power consumption it needs.
0: What does that mean? When you say like mining for AI, do you just mean like directing access power? Not mining SS AI, power? just
1: running, running data centers, you know, um, for AI support. Yep. So I don't think another coin is going to come in and take away from Bitcoin. I think just maybe as multiple happenings happen, you know, the, how hard it gets to mine, you'll start to see miners transition over to AI data centers.
0: I've never even thought about that, to be honest, the sheer amount of power that AI is going to need. I've thought about like the GPUs. There's some
1: people that think like it's literally going to be the biggest drain, like the most power will be consumed from AI, like
0: as a whole. Hopefully it's also smart enough to tell us where the hell we should get all that. (laughs) That's true, right? Yeah, it should
1: tell us where to do it. If you get it from here, it'll be the cheapest and best for the world. Yeah, for sure.
0: What do you think about the whole um, AI for cryptocurrency, sorry, crypto for AI agents narrative? Something that's been floating around a bit is that, or one of the narratives that I've heard in like some sort of like ancillary circles of crypto and on like bank lists and stuff like that. When AI agents become more independent or they start needing to pursue their own goals, that they're going to need currency to pursue their own goals and that they're going to gravitate towards cryptocurrency because it's online and Decentralized, uh, decentralized Decentralized. censorship resistance. Way lower barrier to entry. Yeah. Yeah,
1: faster. So I hadn't thought about that a lot. Um, I'll talk about in a second on a different form of why I think crypto will support AI that I've thought a lot about. But I haven't thought a lot about that, but that makes a ton of sense. I have a friend who is really high up in the circles of like the biggest VCs of the world. Like He hangs out with A16Z, Top Brass, and all those people all the time. And he told me there, he was at a dinner one time and I won't relay who was there, but there was a lot of very, very smart brains who were there. And a lot of them were worried that AI would be, would be able to crack seed phases like that. And if they wanted to just take all our decentralized currency, they could like overnight because they'll be able to crack seed phrases so easily. I thought that was really interesting. Kind of like, wait, maybe I should have more of my stuff at like Coinbase, you know, but like versus versus a ledger that AI could maybe hack really easily, but I would totally agree, like just from a theory standpoint, the agent crypto narrative would make a lot of sense just because of how fast and barrier to entry, how easy you know spinning up wallets would be nothing for AI as long as um they got the onboarding figured out right as in, from somewhere. And once that was figured out, I think I could see crypto rails supporting the majority of their transactions. That makes a lot of sense to me, honestly. And I don't I mean, I'm not a chain expert, but to me, that might make me more bullish on Solana. I would kind of think like it might go towards low transaction fees and speed.
0: When I I heard this and I I think I wrote an article on AI narratives last week and in the process, I was like, you know what? I don't know, because it is it feels like a bit it makes sense. You know, but it also yeah. feels yeah, like a um of a reach. It makes sense. Uh-huh. Um, But then <laughs> I went to the source, I went to chat GPT and I, yeah. I asked Sweet. chat GPT, I was like, hey, if in the future, you know, I basically laid it out like AI agents yeah. need to transact in currency. Uh, I didn't say crypto or anything. I didn't like you load yeah. the question. I was like, That's what fair. characteristics would you look for in a currency? And it described like crypto. It was like permissionless. It decentralized just laid out crypto. Yeah. Yeah. And I did think about like Ethereum versus Solana when I was reading through this uh, like list of things because like it cares about speed and transaction costs, oh, but it also it's cares efficiency. about decentralization. Um, That's true. And I know that like Ethereum and Solana on like a sliding scale of decentralization, Ethereum is a little bit more decentralized, but since switching from proof of work to proof of stake, Yeah, it's actually scale, got less, right? Yeah. yeah, like you could make arguments mm-hmm. that like, okay, if I'm not completely, if AI is like evaluating blockchains and it's like, okay, we want decentralization. These are both medium decentralized, mm-hmm. but we also want like speed and, you know, efficiency and all that kind of shit. I don't know. Uh, like, you know, I disclaimer, know I have been an ETH maxi for a long time, like ETH, Bitcoin, yeah. you know, whatever. But like, yeah, it is making me rethink my thesis. <laughs> because it's similar been... to like the Zoomer. Like I also I think mm-hmm. Zoomers are going to be the same. They're going to be like, well, neither of them are fully mm-hmm. decentralized, so yeah, who cares? <laughs> I agree. <laughs> but it's- and companies,
1: I think businesses don't care so much about decentralization as we think. Like Visa partnering with Solana, you know, um, a couple of months ago when they announced that, I think they're going to care more about transaction fees and you know speed and things like that. Especially if they're like, well, ETH isn't one hundred percent decentralized anyway, so we might as well go towards something a little bit easier and faster. It is interesting. I would have been more beneath maxi too. I didn't understand either before the switch to with proof of work and proof of stake that it was actually going to get less decentralized after for a while, right? Like I think it's built out where it will get better over time. Yeah, so I'm kind of in the same thing. Another thing I've thought a lot about with AI and crypto is um like it's mind-blowing, right? So last Christmas A year ago, Christmas, I was the, I'm always like the tech uncle that shows all the nephews and nieces, all the cool stuff. So I had mid journey, Apple airplayed up on the screen and I'm like, give me a prompt and I'm putting in (laughs) stuff and they're giving me these crazy, you know, six year old kids are giving me these nutty things of like frogs, roller skating down the empire state building, blah, blah. And it would make it right. But now this year at Thanksgiving, what I'm showing these kids mid journey looks like versus a year ago, I'm looking at my feed from like a year ago to now it's insane how much better it's gotten, right? And like the hands aren't all messed up anymore mm-hmm. and all that but that stuff. Anyways, and now they're saying not, not mid-journey, but the other one is like going to have a video product really soon. So what uh, deepfake is going to become a legit issue, like in politics and all kinds of stuff, like legitimate issue. There's already been some scary use cases there. And I've always thought blockchain could probably help in that from like deploying from the wallet of the presidential candidate or the CEO of that publicly traded company to that post that video from that wallet and use on chain to prove that that's not deepfaked, right? Um, I've always thought that that could be a really interesting use case for crypto and uh, AI and in, like in, in circumventing and kind of fighting, combating deepfake.
0: I agree. I think it's super interesting how like we, with deepfakes, we have this. So when the internet proliferated, right? We started getting fed this narrative of like, you can't trust anything on the internet. Yeah. You know, like yeah. anyone can publish, anyone can put an article anything. up on the internet. Yep. Don't trust it. Yep. And then we had this thing of like, well, you can always trust photos, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> and then like with Adobe <laughs> and stuff like that got like, totally. little, you know, a little gray area, but like yeah. now it's just like you, it's, yeah. it's like, we have to extend this lack of trust that we had for the internet now to everything. And it's just Literally straight. everything. I mean, we do need like a a badge of like authenticity or something for. We need something. Well, especially, yeah. <laughs> especially when it comes to like
1: politics, publicly traded CEO. You know, CEOs of publicly traded companies. Like, think. You know, you you throw up a deepfake video of a huge stock that's like blowing up. You could tank us. You could. You know what I mean? Like short sellers could use deepfake to do that. All kinds of stuff. It's nuts. So we're yeah, there will need to be something, some kind of standard that we accept. Aside from just like other AIs built to find to see if it was made by AI. Like I've heard people say that, like oh you'll just have a brand, a Chrome extension that's powered by another AI. That's whole purpose is to tell you what content was made via AI. Like I don't really that's there's too many barriers there, right? Like a lot of people would have to accept that Chrome extension and trust that company that built it and things like that versus blockchain blockchain is just so beautiful and simple and easy to prove
0: crazy time the scam i'll tell are you this it's going to go get wild i'll tell yeah. you this it's
1: going to get wild it's going to get wild. Like my kids i have 19 year old kids twins when they're my age i'm 43 yeah i don't even know what the world's going to look like it's going to be nuts it's going to be nuts like i love <laughs> i don't know if you if you follow nate bargazzi the comedian he's he's hilarious and in his new set He's like, when my what daughter's my age, it's going to be 2057. He's like, I don't even think 2057 seven's a real year. Like it's <laughs> like, let alone like what the world going to be like in 2057. You know, it's nuts. Yeah,
0: It sounds like a sci-fi movie title. You know, like yeah.
1: Blade yeah. Runner totally. 2057. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Or like the old comics, like Spider-Man 2099 yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah. It's crazy. It's crazy.
0: I imagine like, you remember the Cointelegraph thing that happened recently where like someone posted a uh, fake ETF approval. Yeah yeah shit like that is just gonna get nuts you know we're gonna have like deep fakes of like the president of china just died and like some news yeah. thing is gonna pick it up and yeah the market's gonna get erased and yeah we we gotta be diligent that's <laughs> yeah, it's nuts well that what's crazy about
1: that too that's a really good example the coin telegraph one that created a mega green candle do you remember like in, in yeah. october and we haven't retraced it that's what's really interesting because that, that that mega that mega green candle was created off of fake news that the ETF was approved, and we haven't retraced it. That's really interesting to think. Because you you would think a lot of times there's been that little rumors light, and you see the spike up, and the equal spike red right after. And if you look at the chart, it literally wicked up like crazy, and it's you know it's slowly been actually climbing since. Kind of nuts to think about.
0: We're we're getting more resilient yeah everyone yeah. saw the news and, we're fake using, and they were just and using fake it. news as yeah we're like it's gonna happen eventually so i might as yeah. well just keep my keep my bags there i'm long already yeah exactly <laughs> chris thank you so much for coming on i had a great time talking with you really love learning all about nodal and what you guys are doing with trash field mining i definitely want to get ceo on sometime to dive into the yeah the details on yeah, that sometime. he can he can nerd you
1: out hard like he's brilliant with that stuff and it's mind-blowing and he knows all the numbers. So he knows all the comparisons to all the other industries and all the other energy. And it's really fascinating. It's really cool.
0: Amazing. And just let Magic Spoon know that my sponsorship fee yes. is like a, a reasonable, like we'll say, like half a million a year, you know? <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> and, uh, or we'll or
1: I'm sure we'll work something out where it's just like 10 boxes a month get shipped to your I'll house. Do it. And you'll be yeah, fine with 100%. percent will <laughs> be
0: fine with that. I'll all, make a all background. Five, five
1: chocolate, five peanut butter a month to the house i'll I'll build a
0: shelf just to display my magic spoon
1: yeah like a grid (laughs) like a wallpaper a magic spoon wallpaper they're beautiful they do an awesome job on brandy and they just crushed it i mean they really are like the example now for everybody any new health and wellness company it's like we're gonna be i can't even tell you how many times like we're gonna be the magic spoon of this you know like i hear that all the time
0: congrats on magic spoon and for the (laughs) Seems like continued success of uh, Nodal and everything you're doing with Marathon. And uh, I'll talk to you soon. Thanks, man. Really appreciate it. See ya.